Support for Motley Fool Answers comes from our friends at Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans. You're confident when it comes to your work and life, and Rocket Mortgage gives you that same confidence when it comes to refinancing your existing mortgage or buying a home. It lets you understand all the details so you can be confident that you're getting the right mortgage for you. Go to rocketmortgage.com. This is Motley Fool Answers. I'm Allison Southwick, and I'm joined, as always, by Robert Brokamp, personal finance expert here at The Motley Fool. Greetings, Allison. Hello! In this week's episode, we're going to enlist the help of Motley Fool Senior Analyst Simon Erickson to help us understand the disruptive trend of automation and AI. Self-driving cars, drones, Alexa! What will it mean for your job and your portfolio? We'll also answer your question about investing in an artificial intelligence ETF. All that and more on this week's episode of Motley Fool Answers. It's time for Answers Answers! And today's question comes from John. John writes, I've been looking at artificial intelligence ETFs and or mutual funds. I see this as an industry that is only beginning to show its potential and will carry into the future with high rewards. My question, are there any recommendations on such funds that I should look into? And what should I look at when comparing funds? Thank you. Big fan of your podcast, John. And joining us to help answer that question is Simon Erickson. Hi, Simon. Hey, bro. Glad to be here. I feel like I'm in a room full of celebrities. Thanks for having me on the program. Oh, (laughs) nice to have you. So, Simon, you you work on Motley Fool Explorer for Supernova, and you are a big, I don't know, techie, nerdy, AI robot. Robotics following kind of guy. I like the Are techie part of that the most. I Are you think. human? I think I like That's the totally description. Yeah. yeah, we're looking for the biggest trends that the market's going after for the future. Yeah. All right, so we brought you in not only to answer this question, but also uh, for our, our main segment here. But for now, let's stick to the question. All right, John, he wants to find an AI ETF or mutual fund. Where should he look? Yeah, I mean, one that we would recommend is Robo Global. The ticker for that is ROBO, John. It's an ETF that actually does exactly what you're describing. It's tracking a variety of robotics and automation equipment companies, uh, which we think is a, a pretty interesting class right now. There's a lot of stuff going on with robotics, and there's a lot of companies making a lot of money off of that. So that would be one opportunity, I think. And is there more than. Is, is, it, this is a pretty nascent sort of industry. So, is there is this the only game in town? Or are there other ones to look at? Uh, There's a lot of individual stocks too. When we're talking about ETFs, that's one idea. Of course, we've got a lot of companies we can discuss too. Uh, individual <laughs> equities that are really more focused on on robotics and stuff like that. I'll just throw in just a few basic principles about picking funds in general. Costs always matter. And whenever you have a specialized fund or ETF, it's always going to be a higher cost type of thing. So, be prepared for that. Also, a lot of these things, um, depending on the sector that you're looking at, I would look at the concentration, meaning how many companies does it own and how much of the fund is invested in the top 10 holdings. Because some of these are going to be more diversified than others, especially when you have an emerging industry like this. It could be really riding on the fates of like three to five companies. And that, I would say, is probably less ideal than something that's a little more diversified. Yep, good point. 85 holdings in this one, management fee of 0.95%. Bro, you're the expert on analyzing the funds, but at an overview, it looks like it's in the right sector for sure. Yeah, and it's certainly higher than if you were looking at a regular old index fund, but you just have to be prepared for that when you look at a fund like this. 
Support for Motley Fool Answers comes from our friends at Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans. Chances are you're confident when it comes to your work, your hobbies, and your life. Rocket Mortgage gives you that same level of confidence when it comes to buying a home or refinancing your existing home loan. With Rocket Mortgage, you can apply simply and understand fully so that you can mortgage confidently. That is a lot of adverbs. I'm going to have to steal some of those for my closer. Indubitably. To get started, go to rocketmortgage.com fool. Equal housing lender licensed in all 50 states. NMLS, consumeraccess.org number 3030. Hey, here's a fun stat. Yes, what's that stat? You're going to find the stat terrifying. However, I find it intriguing and Simon's going to find it I don't know. He's stimulating. Stimulating. So, 40% of, according to PwC, 40% of jobs in the U.S. may be vulnerable to replacement by robots in the next 15 years. Just 15 years? Just So, you've wow. got 15 years before you're out of a job, Robert Brokamp. <laughs> I'm going to get a robot to sit in that chair and say, buy an index fund. The Brobot. A Brobot. There buy you go. Uh, both you and my wife will buy one. Pay attention to fees. <laughs> <laughs> the show's going to be is that, amazing. Is that how I sound? Thank you very much. No, that's how the Brobot will sound. So apparently, the U.S., more than other countries, is at risk of losing jobs to anima- an- animation, automation. Uh, 30% of jobs in the United Kingdom compared to 35% in Germany, and surprisingly, 21% in Japan, which my theory is because they've already replaced so many people with robots. They love their robots over there. Yep, that's true. So, all right. So joining us to help unpack what could be a terrifying stat, is Simon Erickson. You heard him on Answers, Answers just now. Uh, <laughs> as, as heard on Answers, Answers. <laughs> he's uh, stuck around to help us unpack the industry, uh, the potentially very disruptive industry of AI and automation and robotics. So, Simon, thank you for joining us. Oh, glad to be here. Thanks for having me, Allison. All right, bro, you're going to kick off our discussion. Well, I'm not an expert on this, but I've I read articles about it here and there, and as you folks know, and long-term listeners know, I'm kind of an awfulizer. I'm always scanning the universe for what's going to be the worst-case scenario and what's going to ruin my life. So when I see these headlines about robots taking over everything, and and headlines about Elon Musk and Stephen Hawking saying that AI is going to destroy him, humankind, it catches my attention. Um, so while I'm not an expert, I have read things here and there, and then I know Simon covers it, so I thought, let's invite him and see if he can make me feel at least a little better. So Less awful. <laughs> less awful, Got it. Okay. Yes. All right. Okay. So go ahead. So first, there's two components to it, really. First of all, is your job safe? And second of all, what about your portfolio? Is it safe, and how can you profit from this if this really is an emerging trend? So let's start with jobs. Allison uh, presented some stats. I've read similar stats from other folks as well. Some of them have broken it up not into specific jobs, but different job types, like the skills that you do, physical skills, information gathering, information processing, being empathetic, and things like that. So, for example, one study said that about 45% of tasks today could be automated. Even 20% to 30% of a CEO's job could be automated if we wanted to do that. So, what do you think? Yeah, and and the way that I think about that, I, I look at the same study too. I, McKinsey did a pretty thorough study on this too that said, hey, there's all these jobs, we're at risk. But I think that the way to frame this is you're not replacing human beings, you're replacing the work that people are doing today. 
And robots, for a lot of that work, can be more efficient and lower cost for companies. And so companies will make financial decisions based on return on investment. And I think that a lot of that work, like you described, bro, uh, especially physical labor, uh, anything that might be data collection and processing, stuff like that could be more efficiently done by robots, which frees people up to do other things, too. Some of the tasks that we saw that really are the least susceptible to having robots disrupt is managing others or having expertise in certain fields. So, just like we've seen things over time, I mean, we saw that the plow replaced a lot of physical farming hours, the internet replaced librarian hours, and now we're kind of in the in the next coming years, maybe we're going to see self-driving cars replace a lot of taxi driver hours. For society as a whole, these are these are pretty big gains that are letting us do other things with that time. Uh, but it is replacing jobs that are shifting to other things now, and I think that's the way that I frame it at least. Right, and that's the challenge, right? So can these people who are doing these jobs go find other jobs? And you know, one of the reports that I read from Morningstar pointed out that, first of all, this is something we all heard, that the wage of the middle-income household or worker hasn't really grown. And part of that is because the classic middle-income worker for a lot of the last century was the factory worker, was someone who is doing one of these jobs that has now since been replaced by robots. And while some of these jobs that will be eliminated, people will be able to find other jobs. Will they be able to make the same amount of income? Um, or will there be so many jobs of lower, basically, the income inequality will be even greater? What does that look like? Because who's going to profit from this change? Will it be people who own capital, who own stocks? So, those are some of the concerns people have, too. Yeah, and I mean, at first, the first robots we were using were just replacing physical labor, right? Machines could pick up things that were heavier that people couldn't lift with our arms. And then over time, computers got better at processing and remembering things, as my wife likes to remind me that I always forget at the grocery store. And then now the next phase is going to be kind of the processing, robots processing and, and um, programming each other. So, they're actually training other robots to do things. And it's scary because we don't know what that's going to look like, but there will be opportunities that we didn't have before. That will happen this as well. Right. And it's not just going to be sort of lower wage jobs, right? You think 30 years ago, what was considered a pretty good white collar job was preparing taxes. Then came TurboTax. Um, travel agents no longer need them. Now they have computers that can look at x rays. And by some studies, they actually do a better job than humans. There are now some computers that not only assist with surgery, which we've had for years now, but can actually do the surgery. So that's part of my concern in that what is, we're like someone as a father who has kids, where do I tell my kids to look to the future in terms of their professions and their human capital? Yeah, I was reading a, an article in The Economist about this, and the quote that stood out was, what determines vulnerability to automation is not so much whether the work concerned is manual or white collar, but whether or not it is routine. Yeah. So. Yeah. And cost per labor hour. You know what percentage of of the company's costs are, are related to labor, and is it makes sense for them to invest in a robot? I mean, we've got companies out there. Uh, Universal Robots is now saying that their their forty thousand dollar robots have a payback period of two hundred days. Well, wow, that's quick for a for a capital investment decision. You're going to see more and more of that here in the states. I mean, you're already seeing Tesla automate a lot of its or basically all of its car manufacturing. And China, too, is just there's an arms race almost in, in buying robots across the world right now because China's just got such capacity that they want these and there's a huge demand for them. Yeah. So, to Bro's point about 
uh, as if your kids are going to take your advice anyway on what they should be when they grow up. But to Bro's point, where do you see safety as far as future employment? Like, wh- what is safe from automation? Aside from being charming podcast hosts, <laughs> I mean, it's going to be it's going to be a tool for people to make decisions off of, right? Like AI, anything that's that's able to find more data more quickly for you to make decisions off. But we're still going to have managers. Robots aren't going to be in the boardroom or making decisions for companies. You're still going to need people, human beings, to do that stuff. This is just a tool to make management more effective, I think. Yeah. my The research I've done indicates that the more your job relies on human interaction, empathy, persuasion, the safer you're going to be. So that is management. But it's also healthcare workers who are actually dealing with the patients. Education, surprisingly, has come up frequently as a, a safe job, which surprised me at first because I thought, well, a kid could sit at a computer and learn. But as a former teacher, I also know that it takes a lot of human interaction and skills and analysis to say, like, all right, this kid is learning, isn't learning, what can we do for them? Um, and then the other things that seem to be safer, at least at this point, are anything that relies on um, some sort of creativity. Because at this point, I mean, they've, they've gotten computers to design some things, they've gotten computers to write articles even, but it's not at the same quality as a human. Yeah. And, and we're, uh, Allison, the, the expert comment, too, about there's still going to be experts in, in every field. One of them is going to be the medical field. You're seeing now robotic surgery uh, going into the operating room, which is helping to have smaller incisions, have better patient recoveries, fewer readmissions. I mean, if you're a surgeon, that's what you want. You want the patient's outcomes to be the best possible. Uh, that's a tool that's being used for somebody that's trained on that to use it for their job more effectively. And I think we're going to see a lot more of that kind of stuff, too. Right. And there's, there's the question of what Computers can do, and there's the question of what people want them to do. So you, we mm. could probably automate a lot of healthcare, but do you want a computer to tell to come into your hospital room after the surgery and talk to you about what happened, right. or do you still want that human interaction, that empathy of, of a, a doctor or nurse coming in and helping you? And that's one of the cases for why there will always be financial advisors, bro. You can sleep right. well at night because <laughs> people hearing another person say you're doing okay, you're going to be okay, is better than hearing a robot say. You are fine. <laughs> that didn't make me feel fine. Right? <laughs> that voice you didn't work. You want to hear that me. warmth and that empathy that someone like bro, a bro, a robot's not going to be able to deliver what not. a bro can. You, I hope what a bro can. And I am, I am heartened by these these organizations with people like Elon Musk and Stephen Hawking. They're sort of coming up with these parameters on artificial intelligence. I love it when you read it because they really are worried about artificial intelligence becoming so smart that it, and it develops a will of its own and and yeah. it sort of takes over that they're going to build these things with basically kill switches, where if things get out of control, someone can push that red button and turn everything off. I just think it's a fascinating. Read any articles about that; it's pretty fascinating. Maybe a little scary, but fascinating. Yeah. One thing that I did find find somewhat heartening is the argument that if if everyone were out of a job, there'd be no demand for goods or services. And so then the the robots, you gotta still have people who have jobs who have money to buy things. So society is gonna come up with some way to make sure everyone's okay. And you, if you read about this stuff, you'll start reading more and more about some sort of universal basic income, for example, where everyone in the country gets a certain amount of money, whether they're working or not. So that everyone is at least assured a certain amount of, and, it, and it's surprisingly how many libertarians are actually behind this. Um, and you'll hear other things like Bill Gates thinks that, and I think Robert Schiller as well, that every time a robot takes over a job, if we get to a really bad point, that robot has to pay taxes. 
<laughs> and then the taxes, the tax, because if you have, I think the example Bill Gates gave was like, if someone's earning $50,000 a year, they're paying taxes. Robot comes and takes that job, we lose money, tax revenue. That robot should have to pay taxes, which will pay for the training of the person who lost the job so that they can get a new job. So it'll be very interesting to see how all this plays out over the next 15 years, apparently. Yeah. And generally, we want companies to be more efficient. Like yeah. if, they're, if they're saving costs, stuff can get cheaper over time. You know, that can be higher salaries for people, better for stock investors. A variety of good things can come out of that. Yeah. All right. So let's move on to our portfolio. So if people believe this is a trend, this is a way to uh, enhance the performance of your portfolio. Maybe you're frightened now, and you know that your portfolio has to get bigger so you can retire sooner. <laughs> what can you do about that, Simon? Well, I've got a list of 73 ideas here, <laughs> bro, that we can go through <laughs> on how to play this trend. Uh, just kidding, of course. Or am I? Uh, the first is, is I think that consumer applications is going to be one of the, the big things that you're going to see robotics in. <clears throat> one of the original for this was iRobot. Did either of you ever have a Roomba no. in the vacuum? Okay. No, I used to do Zumba. Is that the same thing? <laughs> I think that's similar, maybe. <laughs> uh, the Roomba is the best, best-selling vacuum in the United States this past year. It's really? It's completely robotic. It, it goes around your house. It vacuums for you. Saves you the time that you used to have to go around and vacuum the floors. Have they gotten better? They have, because of spatial awareness. Because okay. robots now can make sense of where they are and what they see more and more. So rather than just having an algorithm where it keeps running into something over and over That's the what I floor, saw when I've seen people with, but it's been probably a few years since I've seen one. We had the original model that I was just picking hair out of the Roomba the entire time. Yeah. It didn't work well for me either, but they've gotten significantly better. China and Japan, they're growing 30% a year in both of those countries. They wow. really love these things. Uh, so I think anything that saves generally you, you time of, of tasks you don't really want to do, uh, there's a price point for everybody on that, <clears throat> whatever that that number is. And when these the costs start coming down for these, people will start investing more money in uh, robotic helpers around the house. Buck Hartzell, who's been on our show, works at the Vol. He has a self-propelled lawnmower, so he just turns it on and it goes around the lawn and cuts the lawn for nice. him. Nice. Yeah. Yeah, the other the other idea I think that I have for this is logistics and warehousing. I mean, you're seeing a lot of companies, Amazon, one of the leaders in this, that's investing in robots to do a lot of the inventory management. They bought a company called Kiva Systems uh, five years ago. Spent a little less than a billion dollars for that acquisition, and they started using these in their in their fulfillment centers to pick up products and then you know fulfill the logistics, sh- ship them out to everybody that buys stuff on Amazon. This is pretty amazing when you think about it, that they're expecting each one of those to save each fulfillment center about $22 million. Wow. And when you multiply that by 110 different fulfillment centers, that's $2 billion a year for Amazon. That's about 7% of their total overhead costs just from applying robots. And I mean, they're one of the the early leaders. You're going to see other people following, I think, in their path for that one as well. And then the other one that we talk a lot about over in Explorer is is just the disruption in the transportation industry right now. Yeah. The uh, the average fare that I saw per mile for a, for a taxi across the United States is about two dollars and fifty cents, and the majority of that is actually going into the labor cost to pay the driver for for spending the time to drive you around. And a self driving car is generally kind of estimated to get that cost per mile down to about a quarter, maybe thirty cents a mile. And when you think about that, if you're taking a, a 10-mile trip, that's maybe $3. That's something Google will subsidize to have your attention for a short amount of time, just like an advertising placement would be today. So it's opening up bu- new business ideas. Wow. As a, as a father of a 16-year-old who's learning to drive now, I kind of wish this was already going yeah. on, because the thought of my kid being out on the road terrifies yes. me. Yes, yeah. yes. Yeah. Well, it's kind of crazy how companies like Uber and other rideshare companies, you know, the, the future is... People, people you don't know driving you around in your cars, but companies like Uber are already investing in self-driving technology. They're already trying to put their workforce out of work. 
yes. which is kind of crazy. It's yeah. like it's like yes, they already recognize that are we rely on people to drive you around, but it's not always going to be like that. Yeah, and I mean there's some societal good for that too, right? I mean if we can reduce the number of accidents, have self-driving cars that don't drive frantically and crazy all over the roads, maybe that's a win for everybody too. In addition for a lot of companies that'll make a lot of money off of it. I feel like people have been talking about self-driving cars and uh, flying cars and other advancements in cars for since the first car was made. <laughs> yeah. why, since the Jetsons. Right? Why now are we seeing why now do we feel that self-driving cars like what happened? What was the te- technological leap leap forward? That's like no, this is imminent. This is really this is not science fiction anymore. Yeah, sure. So first of all, go back and watch the Jetsons again. A lot of yeah. that stuff is actually coming true now. I think that they were really ahead of their time. Uh, to answer your question, really, it's it's just the better machine vision, which, which can now make sense of everything that that it's that is around it, and deep learning is really the the, the key word of what's going on here. So before, machines couldn't really understand what they were seeing around them. And now we're at a point that, that self-driving cars, through different inputs, can make sense of seeing this is a stop sign, this is a kid walking in front of me, and then through algorithms, the stuff behind the scenes, can process what am I supposed to do. We actually rode in one of Google's self-driving cars last month. Was it terrifying? Out in, out in Mountain View. It was completely normal. No, so, you were terrified. The moment he pushed so, the button so and said, what, it's So driving. you got in the car and then it drove you so, somewhere? So actually, when we were, true story, honest to God, we were out in a self driving car and there was another accident on the road between two non self driving cars. Okay. Well, there's no question that people are horrible. There's no, let's just make <laughs> yeah, that, not, let's make that that's clear. Not up for a there was a gentleman in a truck that was stepping out of his vehicle, might have had a fist as he was walking towards the other car. The self driving car recognized that was out of the ordinary of what its algorithms were telling it. It slowed down, approached with caution, and then when it realized it was safe, continued to go ahead. If two self driving cars hit each other, do they get in a fight? Because that would be kind of cool. They and, turn into Transformers. And they argue in code. <laughs> <laughs> but so you weren't scared at all. You really didn't went. At, at first, when I got in, I was like, how is this going to go? I had no idea what to expect. Um, there's literally a gentleman holding a laptop that was the brains of the car in the in the passenger seat of the front of the front seat. And within two minutes, I was completely comfortable. Mm-hmm. And the residents of Mountain View, where they're just kind of used to seeing the self-driving car drive all the time, were completely not even a big deal for them either. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so again, that's an application that you're going to start seeing. I think it's going to come in pockets and roll out, you know, a little bit at a time. But that's a lot of savings for for motorists everywhere. Who's okay. going to win the self-driving car race? Because every everyone's got one. Yeah. Everyone. Well, everyone even, the, even got, the traditional. Everyone who's got money to throw at the problem that is has one. Yeah, it's it's a. Good question, really. I mean, you kind of see Detroit's trying to sell cars. They're trying to sell the torque and the uh, the engine size to it's people that want to tor- drive it, you know? I thought the name of the car was the torque. I was like, oh, <laughs> we need to have a word with their branding department. <laughs> I don't want to buy after, a it's, torque. It's named after the monkeys. There's yeah. the Nesmith, the Jones. No, but they're, they're selling the car that when you step on the accelerator, you're, you're going, right? The sports car. And then Silicon Valley's trying to completely replace the driver altogether to minimize accidents. So there's, there's going to be somewhere... Of a middle ground between those two, but TBD, who's going to win? Who's winning? There's going to be a lot of the companies that run the platform that make sense of what's going on. I think Nvidia is definitely one of my my front runners right now for that, just because they have the graphics processing units uh, that that really are the brains that are telling the car what to do. So, final question about this: Whenever you have sort of this type of emerging technology, an emerging trend, people want to invest in it, and sometimes it works out, and sometimes it doesn't like 3D printing or the internet and all that stuff. Stocks went up very high. Some of them 
turned out like Amazon to be very great investments. Some of them didn't. So, based on what's going now on these types of investments, have they gotten ahead of themselves, or is now still a decent time to get in? I think that's a very good question to ask because you have to respect the hype cycle, which basically tells you when you're starting to see a zillion media headlines. That typically means companies could be overvalued. We could be getting ahead of ourselves. We're not actually going to see this as soon as everybody thinks we're going to. But then again, you see a lot of stuff catch on really quickly. NVIDIA tripled their data center revenue year over year. Um, So the question that, that I always go back to is, is X company making it very, very easy for their customers to use whatever they're, whatever's they're trying to sell. Is this applicable? Why do I care if I'm buying something from this company? And can I easily use it into my workflow that I've already got? So I have to screw up my entire business to do that. And so for robotics companies, um, that's a return on investment question that has to be integratable into what you're already doing right now. Uh, for self-driving cars, that has to be, can I, can I have a model that's a self-driving car that people already still want to buy? Um, and I think that that's, that's kind of the way around the hype cycle. It's like, is this actually useful to the people that want to buy it. Gotcha. Where should people go if they want to learn more about investing, or just in general about automation and AI? What's a good place for them to go to learn more? Motley Fool Explorer, of course. Well, of course. <laughs> yeah, great way. Um, you know, there's a lot of stuff. We, we mentioned the McKinsey studies. There's a lot of robotic studies that are out there right now. Maybe, maybe kind of peruse some of those and see if there's anything that's interesting. Um, we just generally... Yeah, just I, keep I don't an eye know. on the yeah, headlines. I say, and, yeah, yeah, because even in my study, there wasn't like one place you go to that's like the. Although McKinsey is definitely at the sort of sort of taking the lead on it. Yeah, Carnegie Mellon's. I mean, they're coming out with a lot of cool stuff from an academic perspective that kind of goes into the industry itself, and then the company's just annual reports. We kind of read through what they're working on, so that cool. gives us a bunch of ideas. Great. All right, let's have a disclaimer. The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations or not for the stocks we talked about on the show. Don't buy and sell stocks based solely on what you heard here. All right, Simon, can you stick around for a little bit of robotic fun? I can. All right. Yes, he can, Allison. I'm trying out for the robot job. I hope I get it. I hope you. I'm pulling for you. Do you need a reference? In a future time, children will work together to build a giant cyborg. Robot parade, robot parade, robots obey what the children say. Rising is upon us and cropping up in the oddest of places. So we're going to test your robot smarts. These are all stories that I read in the last week alone about the magical step forward we're all taking in robotics. I assume you got it off the internet, right? So they've got to be true. I got these off of legitimate news sources. Okay, all right, go ahead. All right. Who wants to take the first question? Who should we start? I'll take the first one. This is good. This is perfect for you. A robot priest named Bless You Too is the latest and most pious technology built in the small German town of Wittenberg. As reported in The Guardian, legitimate news source, just True. last month, the robot has a touch screen chest, two arms, and a head. It offers blessings in a choice of German, English, French, Spanish, or Polish, and worshippers can choose between a male or female voice. That's pretty progressive. A female All right. priest? All right. What kind of craziness is this? Question. Bless You Too was created to commemorate 500 years since what event happened in that same town of Wittenberg? 
Martin Luther nailed the theses up on the church Correct. door. Hey, it there you go. Kicked off the Reformation. So it was created as a way to get people talking about the future of the church, considering where it's come in the last 500 years. Uh, it was not the first holy robot. In 2016, a Buddhist temple on the edge of Beijing developed a robot monk that could chant mantras and explain basic tenets of the religion. Well, what do you know? So it's a good thing you didn't go into the priesthood because you would have been replaced by a robot. That's sure. right. Yes, for <laughs> listeners who don't know, Oh, I did spend a year or two studying to be a priest. That's the reference there. All right, Simon, here's yours. The world's first operational police robot made its debut just last month in Dubai. He dones a police cap, rides on wheels, and has a computer touchscreen in his chest where you can ask a question, report a crime, or inquire about a speeding ticket. It speaks six languages and can read facial expressions. It's also equipped with a camera that transmits live images to a central operations room, and it can identify subjects wanted by police. The question is, if all goes as planned, what percent of Dubai's police force will be robots by 2030? 2030. Closest oh, without goodness. going over. Um, I will go with two-thirds, 66%. Whoa, no. Wow, that's aggressive. Just 25%. They expect oh, really? the robot, robot police force to be 25% of the total police force. That is impressive. Mm. It's, yeah. All right, ready? I'm ready. Good news! Here's one job that robots are having a hard time replacing. Two restaurants in Guangzhou, China, that made use of robotic waiter waiters have closed down, and a third remains open, but has given all but one of the robots the sack. Can you name one of the three things that the robots were notably bad at, which led them to getting fired? Um, let's see. Uh, getting getting the right order to the right person. So the person who ordered the hamburger that it's placed in front of that person and not somebody else. Okay. Uh, you could have literally said anything that a waiter needs to do, they couldn't do. So the robots could not carry soup or other food yeah. without spilling it. They couldn't pour beverages like tea. That would be bad. That would be tough. Uh, and they also couldn't take orders. So <laughs> that's a tough one too. Each Worst robot, yeah, ever. each robot cost the equivalent of about seven thousand U.S. dollars, and they required constant repairs. According to the uh, owner of the restaurant, the only thing that the robots were good for was getting customers through the door. He said robots can attract plenty of customers, but they definitely can't reduce the need for human labor. No. All right, last one. This one I'm gonna I'm gonna giggle a lot over, so just be prepared. <laughs> okay. Maybe you're debating between Ferndale or English Apple, but have you considered Stanky Bean? Recently, research scientist Janelle Shane gave a computer a list of about 7,700 what to see if a neural network could do a better job of coming up with names. What did this researcher put into the computer to see if it could name better than we do? Uh, movie titles. Band names. Ah, uh, this we are Stanky Bean. Thank you, Detroit. Uh, no, the answer is paint colors. Oh, really? So for this experiment, Janelle Shane gave the neural network a list of 7,700 Sherman Williams paint colors, along with their RGB values, so red, green, blue, and then she asked them to invent new paint colors and give them attractive names. The answer is decidedly hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> so some of the names, so Stanky Bean is one of the names. It's a, a rather lovely mauve color, however. <laughs> there were names like um, Burple Simp, uh, Bank, I can't believe I'm giggling over this, Bank Butt was the color. That is a, also a pink color. Caring Tan, 
is one. Uh, blast of, or no, not not even blast of light. The color is light of blast. <laughs> Burf pink, rose hork, Homestar Brown. <laughs> Sherwin Williams employees, your jobs are safe. Yeah, yeah. Don Darf is a lovely periwinkle blue. So anyway, um, apparently the computer couldn't really. <laughs> Grass bat is red. <laughs> Sorry, dorkwood. Stoner blue is actually a, a kind of nice color. But anyway, yes, yeah, stanky turdly. Stoner blue. I think that has marketable potential. I think it does too. <laughs> There's just one that's it's just called sink. The best of the list, actually. Sink. Sink. I don't know. Ba- bank butt makes me laugh pretty hard. <laughs> anyway, so there you go. Some jobs, yes, are at risk of being lost to robots, but being a server or naming and creating paint colors, solid jobs for the broken <laughs> kids to go into. Unless they can beat Snowbonk or Clardic Fug. Or Police in Dubai. That's safe, too. That's right? true, too. Three quarters. Actually, that, yeah, that, was my, that was my conclusion from that. I'm like, you, you know what? If I lose this job, I can always be a cop in Dubai. There you go. There you go. Simon, thank you for joining us today. This has been a fun, a fun discussion. And you're not scared anymore, are you, Robert? I'm not scared for myself as much as as my kids. I just want to make sure that I steer them in a direction in which there's, you know, they have a future. They're gonna That's be fine. Even if they're English majors, they're gonna be fine. That's all that matters. Have them make robots. Well, that's what Lucas will do, but I don't know about the other two. Again, thank you for joining us, Simon. Uh, That's the show. Summer is upon us, which means you're going to start going on vacation. Mm -hmm. And when you go on vacation, please, won't you consider sending us a postcard? So far, we've heard from listeners from such exotic places as the Maldives and Bartlesville, Oklahoma. Uh, And I love them both equally. So... Uh, please send us your postcards this summer because I love getting them. Also, I realize it can be a pain to mail something while you're on vacation, so I will happily accept postcards that were purchased on location and then mailed once you're back home. I don't think that's cheating. And where should they be mailed, Allison? Hey, they should be sent to The Motley Fool, care of one of us. That's fine. Pick, Allison. pick your favorite. Allison. 2000 Duke Street, the second floor, Alexandria, Virginia, 22314. Thank you, and thank you to the, I don't know, over 100 people who have sent postcards in so far. Um, I really do love each and every one. We do. It's a lot of fun. They bring us a lot of joy. All right. The show is edited robotically by Rick Engdahl. (laughs) Our email is answers at fool.com. For Robert Brokamp, I'm Allison Southwick. Stay foolish, everybody. Stay foolish.